I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, November 16th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we do step on a few toes along the way sometimes. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and attempt to provide critical thinking to all that is being heaped upon us. And we do it all right here, live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams at www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on our Facebook group page or pages uh, via Facebook Live. Our shows are available as podcasts right after our broadcast, and we take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, usually by the next day, and that YouTube channel is Let's Talk Native uh, TV. And I encourage people to subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our uh, our YouTube channel so you can catch all our uh, all, all our videos and, and all of our audio. Um, I am the host of Let's Talk Native, and I am assisted in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our video and our sound. Um Look, I always talk about critical thinking, and I don't spend a lot of time explaining exactly what that is, and uh, and not everything is as self-evident as what what people think. I mean, there's a lot of, we are inundated with propaganda, whether it's, you know, where to buy your next cheeseburger, your your next basketball shoes, or or whatever. We are inundated with propaganda. There's stuff that is being marketed, but there's also stuff that is being, you know, put to us to to try to control how we view um global world events how we how we view you know um local politicians uh how we view everything <clears throat> and and of course this is uh, involves education in in you know from kindergarten through 12th grade and and beyond i mean uh we're we're influenced in ways that we don't even realize how we're influenced so one of the things I want to talk about today is, for those of you who, who may not be the news junkie that I that I am, um, there's a lot that's happening to indigenous people that are, that may not be it may not be being characterized as such. And the perfect example of this is what's happening in Bolivia. Evo Morales, who has been the president of, of Bolivia for 14 years, the first indigenous person to rise from a colonial. Um, state i guess you will uh, you know settler colonial state uh, even more so i mean hugo chavez had has indigenous roots but he was still very much um you know mixed i guess you know in terms of his upbringing Abel morales clearly represented um a uh an, an indigenous person who rose rose through the ranks to to lead an entire country in in south america but you know one of the things that I, that I said in, in my promo for the show is whether you're marginalized like like we are, you know, where we, we represent less than one tenth, you know, of one percent or a tenth of one percent, or you know, or in Latin, in terms of land mass or your know, income or any, however you are, you, native people are, are marginalized, or whether you, you live in a country where the indigenous population is the majority, we are under a constant assault by settler colonialism. Now. Again, using these words, I want people to understand. I'm talking about people who are more assimilated to the European and um, 
mindset. So whether you're talking about Americans or whether you're talking about Europeans, it's all the same thing. Many would have you believe that a lot of these conflicts that are taking place in in South America uh, are strictly about political ideology, socialism, maybe even communism. You hear people talk about dictatorships and all kinds of other stuff. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is just plain and simple race wars. The woman who now has proclaimed herself as the as the president of Bolivia, not unlike the the guy who did the same thing as Juan Guaido in uh, in Venezuela, but this woman uh, Janine uh, Anez, and I maybe you know screwing up her last name. I you know I, Spanish isn't my language, so um, these people look. Even if they, I don't care if they got a good tan. These people are white. I mean, these people are white. They are totally bought into the you know to their their spanish indoctrination this this woman went so far as to say you know in in previous comments and and even in you know as she's wrestling control um of of a country like bolivia has made comments calling indigenous people satanic devil worshipers and which is you know this isn't just pitting christianity against you know non-christians this is about race most of the conflicts that are taking place in South America are brown people versus white people. Various shades of white people and various shades of brown people. But it's still, you can see that it's, that it's, it has to do with, with ethnicity, if not race. I mean, what, what, you know, we can, we can play around. I don't want to play semantics over this, but it is indigenous people and, and the people who are really more closely aligned with indigenous people who are fighting against the wealthy elite uh, Spanish or you know Brazil, you know Portuguese backed, whatever um, European backed, or, or and more importantly U.S. backed govern um, uh, political movements. I mean, the United States has been trying to uh, has been participating in a coup against Venezuela since uh, since Chavez, Hugo Chavez first got elected. Claimed all kinds of things about uh, about how he was. Um, uh, Eliminating, you know, the democracy of uh, of Venezuela, even though he was getting elected with sixty percent of the vote, something the United States never sees, and, and, and a vote that had a higher turnout in terms of voter participation. Here, you're lucky to, in the United States, you're lucky to see, you know, the high forties uh, participate in the overall scheme of things in in, uh, in elections. But in, in South America, they had a bigger voter turnout and uh, and an overwhelming support. Now, what's been taking place in Bolivia? Is part of this came out of um, uh, out of the last election where Evo Morales won again. The question that was raised was whether he won over a fifty percent majority or not, which would have, which would avoid a runoff. And there were some questions, and, and even the Organization of American States, which isn't always the most unbiased group, suggested yeah there were some complications that could have affected the the, the, the vote tallies. And they said somewhere in the in the five to seven percent. But even if you took five or seven percent, you know, from uh, from Evo Morales and put it to its uh, to his closest challenger, it was still not even close. It was just a really a question whether that that five to seven percent would have altered whether Evo Morales would have to face a runoff or not. So they they cited all kinds of election fraud and uh, and the, and with the United States help. Kept pressuring and kept pressuring and kept pressuring to 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 remove uh, Evo Morales until they finally and they, when they when the the white elite again U.S. backed white elite finally got the military 
to, to turn on uh, Evo Morales is when Evo Morales left. But I'll tell you, that story's not over. Because the indigenous people and the people who supported Evo Morales and have, and have done so for over 14 years <clears throat> uh, are rising up. I don't know how this is going to end. It, it None of this ends well. But I, I think it's important, and this is where I, I, I can't impress upon people enough. Don't take what the media is giving to you at face value. You've got to think this stuff through a little bit. And yeah, look, when, when you see this blonde haired, you know, woman up there, you know, referring to native people as, uh, as satanic, and you realize that she's the one who's getting the, uh, backed by the, by the United States and, and being recognized. And then Canada's doing the same thing. I mean, so uh, don't make any mistakes about that. These, these, your, these settler colonial, uh, countries like United States and Canada, they're right with, right with Europe on this stuff. And I, and I'll tell you, don't think this is just the right wing in, in the United States and, and, and Canada either. Most of the Democrats are, have been openly condemning of guys like, uh, uh, Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela. And, and they totally backed, including, you know, the Obama administration totally backed the, the attempt to, to have Chavez removed. So, I mean, don't think that this is just a, a right wing. I mean, a lot of this nationalism gets also always gets associated with, um, you know, white nationalists. But, but there's white nationalists in the in in uh, that are liberals or considered liberals too, or Democrats anyway. I mean, again, so when you're listening to the news and you see this stuff, because look, the United States has been trying to tell people that other forms of governance. Uh, other than their own, which they can't even consistently define what the United States is. Is it a democracy? Is it a republic? Is it a democratic republic? I mean, you know, it depends on who you ask, I guess. But they'll, they'll, they'll insist that communism is the, is the evil. You know, it's, it's, it's the devil's work or socialism is monarchies. It, it depends on which one, you know, because of it or theocracies that are all bad unless it's Israel. If it's Israel, then the theocracy is okay. But if it's an Islamic theocracy, oh, then it's bad. Monarchies, I mean, there was a war that was waged between uh, you know a bunch of uh, aristocrats um, in you know colonial aristocrats against uh, against their their mother country, England, and claimed that it was all about fighting the monarchy. In which now most Americans are so enamored with uh, with the idea of kings, queens, duchesses, and dukes, and all that other crap that uh, they, they can't even keep their heads straight. I mean, I think about all the lady die stuff. Look, it, I guess if, if if that's if your life is all about the National Enquirer, then so be it. But you you note how the United States has no problem with um with a dictatorship or a monarchy when it comes to some place like Saudi Arabia. I mean, it, again, the hypocrisy is all over the place. But, uh, but again, to, to my point, communism. There was, there were, I mean, the whole Cold War, and and all of the you know, fighting the evils of China and and the Soviet Union. That was all about political ideology. I mean, that's really what it was all about. Now, for some reason, Trump can have you know uh, Vladimir Putin be his best buddy, and and most of the people on the right who used to lead the charge during the Cold War, the whole McCarthy stuff. I mean, they, I mean, all of a sudden, they they're going to look the other way because just because because it's Donald Trump. I saw a billboard, which was a huge billboard. It was right on like Forty Second Street, um, whole side, you know, whole top of a building, and it. The, the billboard said communism kills 
And it gave this whole list. In fact, if I, if I can find that picture, I'll, I'll post it up on my, uh, on my, my group page. Communism kills. They're talking about all the people killed by Stalin and, you know, um, Mao and, you know, all these people. But it ignores how many people got killed in the name of white imperialism, settler colonialism. I mean, not not just uh, speaking as a native person, you know, a part of the the extermination of the population of of North America. But you can look at South America, North America, United States as they moved into the Philippines and uh, into the South Pacific. The the amount of carnage that was caused by the by the United States. I mean, uh, even if you just look at the in the last couple uh, tw- a couple of decades since the the conflicts in the Middle East that the United States has been so heavily engaged in since nine eleven. I mean, there are some estimates that between, uh, you know, the, the trillions of dollars that have been spent and the, and the, they keep saying hundreds of thousands. And I saw one of oh, 800,000 people. That's bullshit. There's been over, there have been over a million, if not millions of people who have died as a result of, of the uh, conflicts caused, um, perpetrated by the United States in the, in the areas of Afghanistan and, uh, and Iraq and, and, and the like. I mean, come on, l- let's be honest. So when, and this has this has a lot less to do with political ideologies than it does to do with race, and it, this isn't even about you know religion. You know, again, the United States has no problem looking the other way on theocracies that are again. I mentioned Israel, but they'll condemn Iran because it's a Muslim uh, Islamic theocracy. No, this is about who the people are and, and, and again, the, the racial difference. Because let's face it, Jewish people have done what many other, uh, many other marginalized European countries did. They managed to convert themselves to white people. So if you're white, you are going to be treated differently regardless of whether you're a monarchy, whether you are a theocracy, whether you are uh, a dictatorship. I mean, all of that stuff. I mean, look, even... You know, even the Russia now is being treated differently than uh, than they than they were because uh, because of Trump, I guess. So, don't buy into this into this whole notion of these evil empires because it has less to do with 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 political ideology than than it does than it does to do with race, and that's what you're seeing in the Western Hemisphere, especially in South America. I mean, a lot of what, the, what these conflicts are over is simply about indigenous people. And, and the fact that indigenous people have had the nerve to rise up from settler colonialism to take some control of their lives. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what pissed off the United States when it came to Venezuela. Venezuela booted out the, the, the multinational oil companies, the U.S.-based and, and multinational oil companies. They booted them out. They said, no, you're not going to just take our oil. We're going to treat it as a as a national resource. We're nationalizing our commonwealth. That's what Venezuela did, and that's what Bolivia's done. It's no accident that that a lot of this um, this big turn in Bolivia took place right after Bolivia took a strong stand on on the mining of lithium out of their uh, their country. I mean, that's that's just no accident. And why? Because the white people, the wealthy elite in these countries of South America who owe their allegiance to the United States and owe their allegiance to their, to their, what they call their mother country, even if they're brown skinned, they still owe, owe their allegiance to Spain. You know, or the, you know, or the Catholic Church or whatever. 
these uh, these guys just want they they just want one thing wealth that's that's what drives them they don't give a rat's ass about democracy come on and the only and what bothers them about socialism is is this whole idea about about equity look and, and so when you listen to not just fox news but any of the people on the right here they'll, they'll cite you know failed socialism socialism isn't what's failing in south america this again these are race wars this isn't this isn't capitalism versus socialism this is wealthy elite who got their money from capitalism who have used who are u.s backed who are are driving all of this you know all of this conflict look the 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 economies of venezuela didn't get destroyed by socialism it got destroyed because you still had the wealthy elite, the whiter, wealthy wealthy elite of Venezuela who controlled too much of the wealth of the country. I mean, if half of what people said was true about Maduro or, or Chavez, they would have they would have booted those uh, those people out. They'd have, they'd, have, they'd have taken the resources. No, nope, we're, we're claiming these as, as national resources. And they didn't do that. They tried to work with, with a certain level of, of free market um, uh you know capitalism in their in their countries but it's a free market capitalism that is done uh, you know because it is there's no such thing as free market that's you know that's all bullshit because you you still have a a limited amount of people who control everything and in any of these countries and the united states is right there with them where you have all of the wealth accumulated in a very very small number of people i mean one percent if one percent of your population possesses more than 50 percent and oftentimes in some of these countries it's 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 far more than that but if only one percent of your population controls over 50 percent of the wealth of your country that's that's not democracy folks come on that's that's not democracy that's oligarchy i mean that's i mean that is aristocracy you know and it may not be you know um driven by blood you know or royal families and that kind of stuff no it's 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 driven by money so when i say that we want to provide critical thinking what i'm asking people to do who listen to the show or any other show you know or any news program or anything else think critically i mean don't buy in to the bs that's being spoon-fed to you you got to think here i mean look hear what they're saying look at the images and but but again understand that the images are being manipulated too I mean, when, when you used to see the, the violence they were showing in, in Venezuela, it made it look like this huge outpouring of the, the mass population was against, uh, you know, Chavez, or, or really not against Chavez, but against Maduro. But they never showed the broad populist support that these guys, and you're, you're seeing very little about how many, uh, how much the, the broad populace is, is supporting uh, Evo Morales, even as he, he had to you know, basically exile himself from the country because his life was at risk. I mean, they they were going to kill him, so he he fled he fled to Mexico. But I'll tell you, there are an awful lot of people who are pushing to try to bring him back, and and put him back, you know, put him back in his in his rightful seat of uh, you know as the, as a president of of Bolivia, but not the United States. And the United States has increasingly squeezed any of these countries, just like they did with with Cuba. They've squeezed all of these countries to try to ruin them economically. And and it isn't just because of the the, the power of the of the U.S. economy; it's the power of the of the people within those countries who still maintain you know the major lion's share of the wealth of these countries. 
And where you know, and what, what do they do with their money? They they have their money flowing back and forth to the United States. Look, while while, while people were saying that the, the economy was collapsing in Venezuela, you could still find the wealthy elite uh, dining in the restaurants, eating, drinking their their you know six dollar coffees in the in the coffee shops and the cafes. I mean, look, that's just a matter of fact. You know, if, I, this uh, this Thursday, I will be uh, back in New York, and, and I know I've got another show to do on Tuesday, but I, I want to tell some people now. I've got Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, who's going to join me on my show in New York. Um, she's a historian. She does a, a lot of really good research. She's not only the author of an indigenous people's history of the United States, but um, all real Indians have died off and 20 other myths about Native people, loaded, uh, a disarming uh, history of the Second Amendment, a, a bunch of these other, a bunch of these shows or books that she's written. She's going to join me in the show, and we're going to talk about this assault on indigenous people because this is being mischaracterized by the news, and not just Fox News, all of them. And and, and, I, and I'll tell you, most of the politicians, Democrat or Republican, sit there in open condemnation of, of guys like Nicholas Maduro and, uh, um, and Evo Morales. You know, they always tap dance a little, a little bit around, uh, around Morales. Uh, but Look, the United States never liked this guy, you know, and, and neither party. It didn't matter if it's Obama or Trump. They, 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 the whole idea of of some Native people being uppity, and he's been uppity for fourteen years. So they they uh, they chiseled away at at his base. So we're going to talk about that on my show in New York as well. Um, you know, so I'm giving a, a little bit of a heads up for that. But I wanted to address it on my show because you know, in my opening, I talk about. Trying to you know utilize um, critical thinking and and recognizing false narratives. Look, nobody more than us should understand how these things get characterized. And when I talk about these assaults on uh, on indigenous people in Brazil or in Bolivia or Ecuador, in Ecuador you you have a, a, the indigenous people trying to rise up against the government. And in some of these countries, like, again, and this is the same thing that, that's playing out in Brazil, but in, in countries like Venezuela and, um, and Bolivia, you actually had indigenous people who would, who gained some footholds in the governance. And of course, they're being pushed back partially by, you know, with the backing of the United States. But that's not unlike what we're doing, what we're dealing with here. I mean, we are dealing with, with, with overt racism in the United States and Canada. In much the same way, the difference is: look, we are no threat to the United States or Canada. We're not trying. We're not trying to take over the countries, not yet. <laughs> no, we're not trying to take over the countries, but we're trying to just have more control over our own lives. But the Senate nation, they're, they're getting screwed and, and squeezed for squeezed for another billion dollars after the state squeezed a billion and a half out of them already. When when I see our own people who know what we're facing and what we're experiencing at the, at the hands of the, either the state governments or federal governments, you know, we, and then we buy into the, into the, into the bullshit that's being uh, spoon fed to us on, on television. Shame on us. We, we've got to, again, we've got to think critically. We have to have, we have to understand that those people who are, are who are under attack, they're like us. They've just been, honestly, but they, they've managed to empower themselves a little bit more. But again, the more empowerment you, you gain, the more you get on everybody's radar. 
Yeah, look, do you think this? Do you think the state would be uh, trying to squeeze a billion dollars out of the Seneca Nation if they didn't have success in gaming? Of course not. It's it's all tied directly to um, uh, to try to trying to put a foot on our neck to make sure eh, let's not let's not let them get too uh, too strong here. Uh, Seneca Nation, they're they're starting to develop some you know a pretty strong economy, and you know and and other people are listening to them. You know, so as as the Senecas started to push back on, you know, arguably and maybe even not so arguably, was a pretty bad compact that they entered into the first place. They don't want anybody else doing that. So what New York's trying to do to 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 the Seneca Nation is what Oklahoma's trying to do out there. It doesn't now the the governor of Oklahoma claims, "Well, I'm Cherokee." Yeah, yeah, you're Cherokee. I know. Yeah, we, because you have a piece of paper that says so. You're not you're not you're not governing Cherokee. You're trying to screw them. You know, same with the governor in New Mexico. Look, this is what we see here. But but in spite of what our experiences are against the settler colonialism in our backyards, we'll look at what's happening in South America and we'll buy into the bullshit that's being fed to us. Look, that's 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 my warning. We have to understand that these are assaults against indigenous people. These are race wars. And there's no other way to to really break it down. I mean, you can't buy into the belief that this is just about political ideologies. It's not. It's not. This is, you know, this is much bigger than that. This is, I mean, they don't really care. Like I said, when it's convenient to the United States, they'll they'll support any other kind of political ideology. And they'll just pretend that, that, you know, they'll pretend that it's something else. Like I said, Israel, Saudi Arabia. I mean... (laughs) Not exactly uh, the you know the epitome of democracies these places. Yeah, but Trump just had uh, Erdogan, uh, who who just you know, wiped out and uh, you know waged a waged, waged a battle on 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 the Kurds that the United States viewed as allies just a short while ago. I mean, look, these guys they'll look the other way on uh, on tyrants, on dictators, on on you know strong men. As long as it, it supports their national interest, I mean, th- look, the United States w- was was bent on Venezuela because U.S. oil companies got you know got got the boots, and Evo Morales was doing much of the same thing. They were they were separating themselves from the World Bank, the things that the United States controls. So it's it's really important that people understand and try to think more critically. And and when you're seeing this stuff on the news, you can't take it at face value because you're being manipulated. I mean, this is, you know, these are settler colonial leaders. So whether it's Juan Guaido in, in Venezuela or whether this, uh, this, um, uh, Janine Inez Chavez uh, of all names, um, you know, claiming the presidency, the, these are white people. You know who are you know white Christians for the most part, uh, who are more aligned with their with their European masters and and their their United States overlords that are trying to put you know put down any rise or any strength being gained or any foothold that Indigenous people are gain, gaining. That's just the reality. So, and so we as Indigenous people, we we who think we're so articulate and we think that that we're providing so much resistance. Look, we're not doing half of what some of these other other countries have done. Some of these other places have actually taken control 
over over national policy. We sure as hell haven't done that. And what do we do? We we find ourselves falling right in line with the with the bullshit propaganda that we're being fed. So don't take my word for it. All I'm saying is let's think critically as we're being fed this stuff. And remember, we have a lot more in common with with Nicolas Maduro or, or uh, you know or Evo Morales than we do with the with these white puppets being put up by the United States. So we're we're kind of at the bottom of the hour. So I, I want I just really needed to to stress this point. We'll talk about it a little bit more. I got a couple of other things I want to talk about when we uh, uh, when we get back. Um, and we'll take a break here and uh, and, and come back with uh, we'll, we'll come back with a little bit more. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. So calm to me Blood of water It comes so naturally It's a gift from my mother Can't deny The day we lose it is a day That's the day we die Since his death, it should have never been. No more since his death, drinking water that's not clean. If you feel right, all humanity to partly water. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native, and like I said, we're trying to promote some critical thinking here. So we'll we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, but first, let me. Um, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and my good friends at uh, Grand River Enterprises and Native Wholesale Supply. Uh, these three entities um are the ones who really make this show possible allow us to do you know more than just this show i mean they they their support enables me to go to new york and do it do a show in new york city the one of the largest media markets in the world um they allow us to you know slowly grow our equipment um 
although we are going to be looking to do a bit a bit of a bigger ask here um me and uh jake and i we'd like to shoot a full-length documentary and so we're trying to put together a little bit of an equipment list so we may be uh you know panhandling a little bit and trying to come up with you know two or three thousand dollars more to to purchase some uh, some recording equipment um so we can, you know, do this, do some of these things justice. I mean, and and again, provide some of this critical thinking, give people the tools and the education, so they 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 have a better idea. You know, you know what is reality and what is not just the way um, our history is being taught by them, folded into their American history, but what is our history and where do there some of their own words. Um, uh, come back to bite them when we get a firmer grip on some of this stuff so uh, so again i i thank those those who who sponsor us um but i'll tell you we could always use more help because we we want to do more and there's so much more to do and i gotta tell you sometimes i feel like uh not that that it's a losing battle but there's not enough of us doing this kind of thing so the thing that as i do more what i'm trying to get people to realize is that if they see that that if maybe they see something that I produce and they don't really like it, maybe they don't like me, then I want people to be encouraged to do it do it themselves. We're not trying to bust open doors and, and, and nail them shut behind us. We're trying to bust open doors that other people can can walk through. So I think our success is is not critical as critical to me as the people who will follow us. So uh, you know, again, um, anybody who willing to step up to support what, what we're trying to do with this show, with a show in New York, and some of the the short films that we do uh, for YouTube and, and some of the other ones, um, you know, by, by all means, reach out and uh, um, make make your offer. I guess. Um, hey, one of the things I want to mention when we open the show, we usually have a, um, a do a fairly long intro with music and. I know if you're impatient, if you're sitting there waiting for the screen to change because we've got the date up or, you know, just our title shot uh, and you're listening to this music. Finally, try to enjoy the music, but understand that the reason we have such a long intro is because we're doing things um, as we're setting up the show still. Um, we have to be live to do things like share the show, um, get some people lined up to, you know, uh, do some um recasting how the show shows up on uh, on our pages and that kind of stuff so there's a certain amount of work that we have to do after we go live and we do that during that long intro now here's the thing when we take this video and we put it up on youtube we shorten it down a little bit so we we edit a little bit so we take a take off a little bit of the long intro and and you know clean up whatever we might have on the back end or whatever but so the best viewing experience after the fact is probably not the facebook uh views by all means do that but uh but is when we put it up on youtube when we put it up on on youtube on our let's talk native tv uh channel that's where you'll it'll be trimmed down so if you do watch these videos on facebook and you get a little impatient and and maybe there's all the things like some of the the problems with with trying to watch on facebook because of connectivity and that kind of stuff the better viewing is on uh, on our youtube channel so by all means subscribe to let's talk native tv and then you'll get the uh, the best versions of the show anyway um and and of course also the the shorter videos we do now the other thing that that i'll say my show in new york is now a two-hour show and and that can seem like a big investment of time to watch a two-hour show or to listen to one. Um, but, you know, give it a shot. I mean, give it a shot. Because even though, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as many people. If I see a post that's too long, I might not read it. I mean, if it looks like ah, I don't feel like reading something for 10 minutes, then I, I might bypass it. 
So the same thing might be for a video. Uh, but, you know, give it a shot. My shows in New York are, are talkback shows. And these are shows that not only do I provide content in the first in, mainly in the first hour or in, or in this next week, uh, that's where I'll have my guest on, Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz. So not only will I feature my guest and the commentary, uh, but then we go to callers. But, man, don't sell our, our caller shorts. We, we have some great callers that, uh, that call in New York. We get some jerks, too, but <laughs> but that's, that's going to happen. But, but even those guys, I mean, they help. They help me sometimes articulate a point even stronger because of some of the nonsense that they, they may be throwing our way. So I don't mind. I don't mind the haters or or the occasional trolls that uh, that manage to get through um, in New York because I think look that's part of the conversation and they have, they have a right to to question me or to you know to try to hold me accountable and so 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 we do that. Um, but uh, you know again you know my main message and the main you know thrust of what this show is about was was to make people um at least question themselves about how much they're buying into to what they're being spoon fed because look we've been hit with this a lot over the years i mean look as i'm i'm mohawk and i live in seneca territory and it's been you know when i first moved out here uh, there was always a certain there was there's a certain element of, of the of the population here that harbored a little ill will towards uh towards mohawks especially i'm, I'm mohawk from gonna which you know because sometimes for those people who um look at the whole warrior thing as you know as you know something taboo um it was you know th- this was something that I-, I had to establish myself in the community and i'm not saying that that everybody you know thinks i'm thinks i'm wonderful here i mean i i have a uh you know I'm, I'm a part of a good community and 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 i you know i like most of the people that i that i know here um and i think most of most people are okay with me too nobody nobody's asked me to leave yet but one of the things i gotta tell you is um uh i, w- I was moved a little bit uh j- just today uh the um the, the Seneca Nation, the Cataraugus Community Center uh, hosts a um, a major basketball tournament, and they've been doing it back from even before they had the community center. And it's called the the Basil, the Basil uh, Basil Williams uh, basketball tourney. And the home team, I saw them. They put their the, one of the home teams, and there, there's usually several. But one of the home teams, and and the guys who really are kind of the the backbone of, of the of the Basil Williams tur- uh, tournament. Um, they they did a team photo and and on their photo they have um on on their jersey is is the warrior flag not uh it's kind of monochromatic um and then the hiawanta belt below that and i'll tell you i was pleased to see that because look i know that there are some communities and there are certainly people within a lot of these communities that have been very very critical i, I once posted a uh, i sometimes use it as a screenshot for the show when i when i post it up on soundcloud or whatever um uh, a picture of my board my uh you know my soundboard and in the background is the uh is one of my computer monitors and on that computer mo- computer monitor monitor is a um is is the image of the warrior flag and and i remember somebody specifically saying yeah i have a real problem with that sy- that symbol of hate and violence and you know and there's so much bs again uh, i i implore people to think critically there's been so much bs talk about you know warriors burning longhouses or or putting hits uh, you know hits out on you know orange lions and and people like that i mean it is such crap and over time 
you know, t- you know, even though people will, will will massage the truth and come up with all these stories about you know what did or didn't happen or what is alleged to have happened, I'm thrilled to death to see that you know one of the more popular groups of, of guys on, on the territory are not ashamed to put and and it's not just a warrior logo. You know, this flag, the, the unity flag that designed by Louis Hall wasn't intended to be a warrior flag. It was intended to be a unity flag, a a, a symbol that could be used across um native territories by by native peoples as a symbol of unity and resistance. And it's and it has been that. But it's funny even in Standing Rock there were folks from Onondaga who went out there, uh, their, their chief lawyer, lawyer chief, whatever you want to call him, Joe Heath. He goes out there, and next thing you know, there's a controversy over whether they should have the warrior flag flying in uh, at Standing Rock. And it was a ridiculous debacle. But see, this is it. You've got a certain group of people who have tried to discredit any native, you know, especially especially Mohawks, but uh, and, and the Mohawk communities that have really promoted this idea of resistance and unity and and frankly when i say resistance i don't mean just carrying signs i mean sometimes armed resistance and so i was thrilled to death to see the um the image of that unity slash warrior flag across the uniforms of uh of one of the host teams here in, in seneca territory because i can tell you a few years ago you, you wouldn't have seen that and the fact that that image has grown uh, to this level of acceptance I mean it, it, does it mean that, that that image has been whitewashed I don't know I don't think so maybe um, it has certainly been appropriated for use of a, a, of a, of a jersey and you know and, and I, but I'm not I'm not probably I'm not troubled by that you know it, it has become more accepted in this community uh, you're still not going. You're still going to see an awful lot more um, American flags flying here in Cattaraugus than you are going to see unity flags. But I gotta, I gotta acknowledge real progress when I see it, and 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 a change in in attitudes and views. Because there's some of the some of the more the the handsome like Longhouse people here were adamantly opposed to that image. And and it's funny because even on Adaga, where you know where they've tried to like quell all of the the warrior stuff you're still going to see you know this symbol on somebody's you know uh, on a sticker on the side of somebody's lacrosse helmet even when they're playing for the Iroquois Nationals or you know or 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 playing for one of the Onondaga teams and so you're going to see it you know um they they haven't been able to to snuff that out and so the idea that that this image and and the flag's image is you know has been has reached a level of acceptance here in uh in in Cattaraugus and here in Seneca Nation. Look, I I know the people who've always had you know been uh, you know accepting of it. But I also know there's been a you know a, a lot of um propaganda put out to, to try to condemn anybody who would dare demonstrate, you know, a, you know a, a warrior logo on a shirt or a hat or you know you know on a on a sports jersey so you know i, I wanted to mention that because you know seeing seeing the image and seeing the team posted up you know, team picture posted up on facebook is yeah look at that that's that's kind of a change that's that's something that's taken a while to get here but you know i think we gotta we gotta look at the at, at, look and look whether that image becomes acceptable or not isn't isn't a um a huge you know uh development but but it shows something, and you know, and as we see more and more people thinking about things like that are more um, 
based on our identity you know so less american flags more i want the flags you know less you know um you know honor indian treaty flags and more uh unity flags i mean that kind of stuff i mean the idea that we're doing more more with agriculture and thinking differently about what what sustainability should be i mean i I, th- I think that's all that's all a positive thing so i wanted to make that uh, that acknowledgement even in the midst of talking about some of this other stuff i think it's um um i, I you know i think i think it's important um let's see what else i got here again i i when we when we talk about um what's happening in national politics whether it's the canadian side or the u.s side i know it is real easy to get sucked into into their conversations into their right versus left into their you know uh, their election day their referendum their you know you know their vote this vote that you know we you know i I always come back to the same place we have to to really consider our identity and, and promote ourselves and and not fall into this idea that while if we we embrace you know the right party in the US or Canada that somehow what more is going to drop off the table to us or something i i think we we've got to have a different view we've got to talk about our autonomy and our distinction not what more you know what additional charity we can get from from big brother i mean and so when I, every time I hear somebody trying to promote um, this idea of us voting in their elections or, or or backing a candidate, I mean, I know we're going always we're always going to lose some people, um, and I don't mean just losing politically. When you look at a native territory and you measure success on how much money you can make. And you realize that you can make more money off our territory than, than living on our territories. If that's how, if that's what your quality of life is geared towards, then we're going to lose some of our, um, our ambitious, um, if not greedy, but we're going to lose some, we're going to lose some of our people and we're going to lose some of our people to, to their professions. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm less worried about losing, you know, some of our people going to study medicine. Even though I I hope that even if they as they get into Western medicine they don't forget who they are, but I'm less concerned about that. But when 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 he says, "Oh, I'm going to get a law degree," and then what are you going to do? Who are you going to represent? Because if you're going to study state law and U.S. law, you are going to be find yourself in a position that that's what you're you're inadvertently or advertently or intentionally imposing that upon Native people. I mean. When I hear lawyers, and, and only a few have said something like this, when I hear lawyers say, look, my job is to find where those laws are being violated against you, You're, that you are being, you know, that, that state law or federal law is being improperly interpreted against Native people. That's not the same thing as, as understanding our own, our, own, um, our own law or our own rights. Our rights are not defined by state and federal law. And if if you're only studying state and federal law, that's the only that's the that's the context for the, for the way that you understand that stuff. And we lose people to that. We lose people to, you know, that run that run for office. Not so we don't hear so much of it here. I mean, we we lose people because they get mired in 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 an a um, 
an American style of governance, whether it's band councils or tribal councils or whatever else, elected councils, we lose a certain amount there. But we don't lose here. We don't lose a whole lot of people to to county um, elections or to state elections or, or national. But other places do. So while some want us to want you know want to praise a Deborah Halland for being a native person who managed managed to secure a, a place in Congress, she doesn't represent me. She represents New Mexico and and a small spot in New Mexico. And most of the people who who voted for her were white. Same with Sharice David. There's another woman running in New Mexico too. And she's running as a Republican. So all those people who think, well, it's important to, to support Native people running for office. No, you mean Native people running for as Democrats. Because what we refuse to acknowledge is that because we've gotten sucked into their political process so much, I think that that probably half of, if you were to try to poll where Native people sit, right or left, Democrat or Republican, I mean, not that we're that engaged in their politics, but if you could poll that, you'd find that we're pretty split pretty evenly split i mean oklahoma is a is a, is a red state i mean and it I mean, look that was that was considered indian country um most of the most of the the states that have the largest land masses and native populations are more are, are redder than blue and i don't mean red in terms of skin color i'm talking red politically red they're, they're more republican than they are democrat so and I'm not trying to praise the Democrats on this stuff. Look, we have to be careful about political ideology. And anytime we get in a situation where we're expected to choose, it's just like with this, you know, the communism, socialism versus dem- democracy and, and capitalism. As I'm talking about guys like Evo Morales or uh, or Hugo Chavez or Nicolas Maduro make no mistake I'm not even I, I'm not promoting socialism or communism I I have problems with, with some of those ideologies too I mean I, I like the idea of equity and 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 fairness and and, and less um, um, income and wealth disparity that that stuff's supposed to represent on one hand but I also know how those terms have been you know, uh, used to, to represent something else. So, look, if, it, if there's an ism, <laughs> I'm probably not supporting it. So socialism, communism, racism, you know, capitalism. No, none of this stuff uh, you know, is, in, is in my wheelhouse. I'm saying as the native people, we have, try, we have to try not to allow ourselves to get sucked in to their isms, into their, their concepts and their ideologies. We should understand what they are. Because then we can intelligently know where the, those lines are that, that, that we, we simply don't want to cross. We should understand those concepts. But we should also understand that as Native people, our systems of, for lack of a better word, governance, don't fit into any of their categories. I, I was once asked, do you think the uh, Guyana de Goa represented a uh, democracy or a republic? Well, again, we're trying to we're trying to take our what we are, and we're trying to jam it into their round hole or the square hole. And um, 
I, honestly, I guess it, if you had to compare one or the other, we are more like a republic than we are, you know, a, a democracy. And yet, we're going to hear people always saying, "Oh, yeah, the uh, the Guyanagoa, the the Haudenosaunee, they represent the longest existing democracy the world has ever." Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, I, I think those terms don't really fit who we are, because democracies are about not just one man, one vote. It's a it's about majority rule. We you know we had certain standards that we that 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 the majority couldn't overrule, and and that sounds more like a republic. We also, I mean, and our own people are so are so confused about things like when we use the word like sovereignty. I mean, we 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 are pro, we've appropriated that word, and we say and we it's, oh yeah we're sovereign. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, sovereignty is about power. It's not about freedom. It's not about a free and independent existence. And I've talked about this on previous shows. So when we get caught into that, then we say, well, wait a when you say we are sovereign, well, who's we? I mean, I've heard some people say, well, the chiefs councils represent uh, sovereignty. No, they don't. There's nothing in our system that says that. I mean, there's nothing in our history that would, would assert that. If anything, we, 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 we would suggest that our birthright is something that we all carry with us and that if we're going to use something like sovereignty, which, again, not the most appropriate word, that that's, it's vested in us as individuals. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that individuals have the right to squander a people's sovereignty no, any more than a chief could do that. What I'm saying is that that we um, have have a right to carry ourselves. We have a right to you know to do certain things just by virtue of of, of breathing air, you know, living on the planet. The fact that that creation allowed us to be gives us the right to to be what we can be. And and again, where's the line where a free and independent existence? Um, what what are the limits to that to that freedom if you want to call it well it's when you it's when you tramp on somebody else's so when we talk about where does our freedom or our freeness end it's when we start taking it away from somebody else but we get caught in this i mean look i, I remember hearing people say well you know those, those those greedy businessmen they're they're exploiting and they're using our sovereignty like like they took something from somebody else and the idea of asserting our rights to do certain things, when anytime I say, "Oh no, you don't have the right to do that," only the, only the chiefs can do that. Really? Says who? So I mean, this is where we've got to think a little bit. Now I think we all have a responsibility, and, and this is again my friend Degarundege, uh, Paul Delaron. We need to have a lot more conversation about responsibilities and less conversation about what our rights are, because. Who gives us these rights? I think there's birthright. But the, from the moment that we're born and we start to live as a people, as a community, as a part of a people, the, the whole nature of that is that we accept a certain responsibility to the other people, to the rest of our, of our people. Not just to our loved ones, not just to our children or our, our wives or our parents, but to the people. We, we have a responsibility to each other. So we both have an accountability and a responsibility. So 
when people say, well, you have no right to tell me what to do. Well, yes, we do. We, because we all have a, have a responsibility to hold each other accountable to how we're impacting each other, how we're impacting the planet, how we're impacting the future. We seem to have put the, that concept of seven generations, you know, what in a, in a storybook. We do have a responsibility to to promote self and to promote identity, individual identity and collective identity. So, when I talk about critical thinking, this is the stuff. When I hear people say, "Well, you don't understand," you don't understand our ways. If somebody ever says that and then then fails to explain what they mean by it, then they either don't know themselves or they're trying to pretend that a certain knowledge they have empowers them over you. We need to we need to support each other. And we need to again hold ourselves accountable to each other, hold each other accountable, and we need to accept responsibilities. And the one responsibility that I've been telling people that have to, you know, have to employ is critical critical thinking. We have to look at some of what is being fed to us, whether it's we're, we're kids, our kids in school, whether it's what the, what you know what white politicians are telling us, or what lawyers are advising us. We have to step up to the to these conversations. We can say, wait, no, this isn't right. There's something wrong here. You want me to plead out? You want me to make a plea agreement? I'm telling you I didn't do anything wrong. And you want me to accept a, a guilty plea for something that I completely didn't do? <laughs> well, look, we have to do that for a parking ticket. You get pulled over for for allegedly not coming to a complete stop at a sign. You go to a, a little town court and say, well, if you plead guilty to a parking ticket. So you got to plead guilty. There's no parking violations around. But this is the system. that That is a screwed up system. Now, it may be pretty benign to plead out to a parking ticket to avoid a rolling stop or a speeding ticket. But when somebody starts uh, you, uh, indicting you or accusing you of something serious, and now all of a sudden you got to be scared just because of the uh, the potential, uh, you know, um, uh, punishment for something you didn't do. So you so you plead something else out, or you compromise, and that's what we're facing with everything. Whether it's this battle over this billion dollar battle with the state of New York between the Seneca Nation. Or another billion dollar battle over things like the, the, the throughway, or where the lines on our territories get separated into their townships and their counties and their states. This is what we have to, again, when I talk about critical thinking, we have to stop being spoon fed with the lawyers, frankly, with tribal counselors who are taking their advice, advice from lawyers are, are giving us. If I don't care if if you are, you know, uh, traditional or uh, you know or elective s- system, you know, wh- wh- whatever your your ideology is, with, even within our native territories, those people who sit on a council, elected or you know, put up by clan mothers, however they got there, they are your servants. They are not your lords. They are not your masters. They aren't your leaders. Their, their their responsibility, even within these, these constitutional elected systems, is to represent you. You are, I mean, 
They are not your leaders. You don't take the direction from, from, from tribal council. They're supposed to take it from you. This is the critical thing that I'm talking about. Look, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back here on Tuesday. And, and again, keep uh, make a note that on Thursday, I want to return to New York again for a two-hour show, which is Thursdays from 3 to 5 p.m. I will have Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, the author of An Indigenous People's History of the United States. She will be joining me. We're going to talk. She's actually got a new version of that book out, by the way. I'll, I'll mention that in passing. She's got a, a young per- people's edition. So something that can be used at the school level. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, that it's been altered tremendously, but, it, but it's, it, but it's been changed enough. So it, um, it would fit within, uh, like a school correct, a curriculum. And we'll talk about that. So she'll talk about her, the new edition of her, of her indigenous people's history of the United States. And we're going to talk about what's happening in South America. So, uh, so join us in New York, you know, make a, make a note of it. Um, but again, between now and then, we'll see you back here on Tuesday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.